Well, hey, welcome to First Church. So glad you're joining us, whether you're here on site in our Modern Hymn service or online. We are excited that you chose to worship with us today. And I just looked online and I noticed that we have the Fosters from Honduras watching this morning. We also have uh, Joe and Carol. They're on vacation in Michigan. They're worshiping with us online. And Teresa and her family, they're sick at home. So we're sorry that you're sick, but we're glad you're still worshiping with us from home. So if you are here on site, would you put your hands together and welcome in our online family today. And if you're new here, my name's Chad, and typically I'm the one that does the preaching around here, but the elders are so kind every single summer to give me a few weeks that they call a study break so that I can prepare for 2023. And so I'm mapping out right now all the series, all the stuff that's going to be going on in 2023, and I appreciate that brain space a whole lot. So it's not a vacation. I'm still working, but it's a planning time, and it is great. gives me time to really connect with the staff and look at what 2023 is going to be like. But it also is a great opportunity for us to invite in some guest speakers. And last week, we had an awesome speaker, Jeff Walling. And we have another guy from California here with us today. And this guy is one of my close friends, good friends. His name is Brian Hunt. And Brian is at Crossroads Grace Church in Northern California. He's been there for seven years. Before that, he was on staff at Parkview Christian Church in the Chicagoland area. He also played professional baseball before that, so that's really cool as well. He has an awesome family, and he's a great speaker, and I'm excited to welcome him. But the reason why I know Brian is because he and I are in a cohort together of younger preachers. He's a little bit older than me, but still younger preachers uh, from all over the country. Who There's eight of us, and we meet, and we have a mentor, and we talk about church stuff. And I met him about four years ago when I started in this cohort, and I remember going around the room, and everybody was introducing one another, and Uh, introducing themselves really and it came to me I was like the last person I think and I was like my name's Chad I just started at First Church in Oklahoma and I have no idea why I'm here honestly and I'm not sure if I can contribute anything to this cohort and Brian immediately spoke up didn't know him and he immediately spoke him he said Chad I want you to know you're here because God wants you here and we're excited that you're here. And from that moment on, we've had a strong friendship and Brian has been such an encouragement to me and to that whole group. And I know that you're going to be encouraged as well as he brings a powerful message from God's word. So if you would, put your hands together, get loud, give a warm welcome to my friend, my brother, Brian Hunt. Look at you, look at you. Well, it's amazing what $100 will get you if you just give that to him and give him a few words to say nice about you. So that was really great. Hey, listen, thank you for letting me be here, First Church. It's always good to meet the First Church. So uh, I don't know who the Second Church or Third Church is, but you guys are the first. So that's amazing. So, hey, listen, thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us online. Um, I got to meet Gloria and Bill in our other venue over there, the Modern Hymns service right now. So hello, Gloria and Bill. Been married 66 years. That's a pretty good thing. Let's give it up for Gloria. Lori and Bill, 66 years over there, guys. Love you guys. That's awesome. And uh, Chad is amazing, amazing pastor. The fact that you've overlooked the Kentucky thing is amazing, too. You are a, you're a church of grace, so I'm so glad that you guys uh, have done that. But listen, let me tell you a little bit about myself and actually introduce my family to you. Uh, this is my family. This is, we call ourselves Team Hunt, okay? So Team Hunt, this is my beautiful wife, Cherie. We've been married 20 years, August 23rd. Um, and these are our, our two beautiful kids. This is my son, my 10-year-old son, Easton, and my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, 13-year-old daughter. Um, 
Aniston and our French bulldog puppy, Drea. That, that is our little French bulldog. Now, you're probably wondering, did I hear him say those kids' names right? And you did. My son is Easton. He is named after a baseball bat. Yes. And uh, my daughter, Aniston, is named after... Jennifer Aniston. Yes, that's right. We are that shallow. So that's about what you're going to get today. And I am sorry for that, right? But I love my family. Miss them like crazy. I know they're watching online. Hello. Good to see you guys. Love you guys at home. But hey, mixtapes. Mixtape series. We're in an awesome series right now. Super cool looking at some of the Psalms that we find in the Bible. Now, week one, uh, Pastor Chad did a great job. Psalm chapter 129. Last week, trying to find, like, I got to follow the Pepperdine guy for crying out loud, right? Psalm what was his psalm? Psalm 37. So if you miss either of those, you got to go back and listen to those. Just been so cool to hear. And if you missed any, they're, they're, they're well worth your time to listen. You won't be disappointed. But this week, I'm going to be in Psalm 121 is the one that I chose. Psalm 121. So if you have your Bibles with you or your first church apps, you can open up to Psalm 121. Online community here is going to be a little bit of a link coming in for you right now from those online chat hosts. Psalm 121 is where we're going to be at. Uh, but as I do that, I'm going to give you a warning about about something. I'm going to take a while to get to Psalm 121. Okay, so if you're thinking, does this bald guy from California ever read the Bible? Yes, I do. It's kind of, I'm coming to it, okay? Got a whole Bible right here. For, oh, and by the way, I am from California. I'm not moving here, so whew, deep breath. We're okay, all right? Right? Any California people? Any transplants here? I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, we'll talk later. Right? All right. So I'm so glad uh, to at least enjoy your humidity for a little bit. This is good. It does wonders to my hair. Um, anyway, um, but I'm going to lay some groundwork before we get there. Mixtape, though. I don't know if you really appreciate a mixtape because it might be lost on some people. You don't really know what a mixtape is until you have sat on your bedroom floor listening to the radio. Okay, with your boombox ready to go. I see some heads nodding, right? You boombox ready to go until your song comes on, and then you gotta hit at just the right time. You gotta hit record to record the song that was on the radio. Anybody remember that, right? You know, oh, I see those heads, right? And you just pray that the radio guy won't say anything at the end because he's gonna screw the whole ending up. You gotta do the whole thing over again, right? But we used to do that, and you would add different songs onto this mixtape. If I dated myself, I don't care. I feel like I'm in a good room here today. But here's the deal. Mixtapes, this idea of songs, it's amazing because they mean something to us. These songs that we have, they mean something to us. They bring back something from our past. And you might not have known this, but there's actually a word for what that is. It's called musical nostalgia. Musical nostalgia. And what it means is that it, music brings back memories to us. So let me just see if any of these songs bring back some memories to anybody here online or in person. So how about this song right here? Come on now, come on now. Top Gun, oh, and Maverick's better than the first one. I don't care who you are, I'm willing to say it out loud, okay? Right, Top Gun. How about this one? Let's see if anybody's gonna be willing to admit to this one. Anybody willing? Huh? Where's my sinners at? Yeah, all right, all right, right. Little Ice Ice Baby, okay, okay. How about this one? What about this one? Anybody? All right, all right, all right. How about this one? Oh, all right, all right, now I know my room. Okay, I see this, I see this, all right. But that brought back some memories, didn't it? Brought back some memories, some nostalgia, bring some things back. Now, musical nostalgia is not just a cultural phenomenon, though. It's not just that. It's actually a neurological response. 
It, it, it actually is. Because apart from love and drugs, believe it or not, music is, brings on the most biggest emotional reaction. Nothing like music does. It, they, they mapped your brain when you were listening to songs that you enjoyed. And what happens in your brain is that it stimulates the pleasure centers in your, in your, in your body and in your brain. And it activates things like dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin, all those, all those feel-good neurochemicals in your body. Music makes you respond to that. And the more that you like the song, the more the neurological chemical party happens in your body because you get that much more excited about it. And when we make neurological connections to a song, what we also do is we create a memory with that. But a memory never is solo. It's never a solo act. Memories always have something accompanying with them, which is emotions, emotions. That's because emotions will create the feeling that we then associate back with that memory to make it even that much more powerful of a moment. And those emotions that we feel sometimes are happiness, it might be joy, it might be embarrassment, it might be love, it might be hurt. It might even be loneliness occasionally that you have these moments that happen. But that last one, that loneliness one, that can be pretty hard, can't it? I mean, loneliness is a pretty powerful thing, especially right now. Now, if you'll let me deviate from the mixtape for just a few moments here and talk a little bit of cinema with you. Back in 2000, there was a movie that kind of revolutionized uh, the movie industry. There was the movie Castaway. Okay, anybody remember Castaway? Okay, any online, give me some likes of the Castaway. Tom Hanks played this FedEx executive and he had this life where he was flying all over the place and trying to, uh, trying to you know, do his job and he, he, it, it kept him from marrying the love of his life, Helen Hunt, who is not related to me at all, but I wish we were, but, right? And, it, and, and that was the whole thing. And then, one, and then one Christmas, he's trying to fly home to see her, maybe even to get engaged and wouldn't know it, plane crashes in the middle of the South Pacific, that stinks, right? He washes up on shore and then he's forced to survive with all the boxes and stuff that kind of come up, you know? And, and he had to survive with it. And he actually got a friend from him. In fact, where, where's, my, where's my friend, right? He, he had one of these friends. Anybody remember his friend? Anybody remember his name? Wilson, right? Wilson was his name. Became the co-star of the entire movie was this bloody handprint that he called Wilson, and, and what was amazing is that he would interact with it. And then, of course, you know, he, would, he, he finally got up and over the breaker. He had built this boat. He gets out in the middle of the ocean. The big boat comes by, you know, right? You know, remember the scene? And he gets saved. And Helen, she decided to get married to some other schmo. And so they didn't get married. And he, but he was alive, you know? And I know I ruined the whole movie for you. I'm sorry. But it was 22 years ago. So maybe mix in some Netflix. That's all I'm saying, right? That, right? If by now it's not my fault at this point, Right? But not only was this an amazing movie, but also it, there was a couple of interesting aspects to the movie. First thing was that it had no soundtrack. Yeah, there's no memorable melody to the, to the castaway thing at all. It was all sights and sounds from the things that were in the movie. So on the desert island, that's what you heard. When the plane crashed, that's all you heard. So it'd be a terrible thing to add to your mixtape collection. But the second thing I think that was interesting was this, is that, is that um, Tom Hanks actually said that he almost went crazy filming this movie. And the reason he almost went crazy was because of the amount of time he was spent alone. And he said at one time in an interview, he said he knew that he was very close to losing it because he remembered when he was saying his scenes in the movie, he believed that he could actually hear Wilson saying his lines. You know you've gone off the deep end when the volleyball is speaking to you in the middle of the movie. 
Right, that's, that's what he said. He said he went almost nuts because of it. But loneliness is, is a powerful thing. And what that movie did was gave us a taste of what it might have been like to feel abandoned and alone, to be separated from humanity, to have this sense of what true loneliness felt like. Because being alone is really, really hard. It's very, very hard. Now, fast forward to uh, January 2018. The then Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, her name was, uh, was uh, Theresa May. Theresa May made a very interesting appointment. Uh, Tracy Crouch was, was for the first time in, in the entire world, the, she, she made this appointment. This, this person was now known as the Minister of Loneliness. Tracy Crouch was the first Minister of Loneliness because at that time, during May's, um, uh, as the Prime Minister, there were nine million people in the UK that said that loneliness was a normal part of everyday life. Nine million people said that I am just completely lonely. And after Crouch was announced, there was a, a documentary uh, person, Alice Aidy, who, who created this documentary called Disconnected. And in this documentary, she did some research and she set up a, a voicemail box for people to call in to leave a message for the Minister of Loneliness. And within 24 hours, the entire mailbox was completely full. It was completely packed. P person after person calling in just to be able to talk to even an inanimate object, to be able to at least have their voice heard to this Minister of Loneliness. And the, and the, and the thoughts and the things that were said were just so hard because they just wanted to be heard. A neuroscientist by the name of John Cassiopos from the University of, 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 of Chicago found that loneliness actually affected us, affects us on the cellular level. That it actually will, will change the way the genes in our cells are being expressed because of loneliness. And did you know that loneliness is so detrimental to your health that it has the same effect as smoking 15 cigarettes a day is what loneliness will do to your body. But I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, especially online. You're thinking, well, there's a solution to this. It is called social media, right? To the rescue, social media. Give me Instagram, give me Facebook, give me all the TikToks, all the things I'm gonna be connected. I'll never be lonely again. We know that that is absolutely not true. Alice Aidy actually said this. She would say this. She said, the fundamental promise of the internet, better human connection has failed, she says. While we may be technically more connected, I think we are actually more isolated from each other than we ever have been. So loneliness is a real thing in our world today, and it's only getting worse. But my guess is that you already knew that. My guess is that there are probably people here today in one of our venues or even online that you are feeling immensely lonely right now. You might be feeling lonely when you're driving here. You might be lonely right now. Even if you're in a room of lots and lots of people, you can feel really, really alone. And the reality of that is, is that loneliness is everywhere. Loneliness can be everywhere. I know that myself, I even feel this. I'm an extrovert. Love people, love hanging out with people. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I even if I get into a room of people that I might not know right away, all of a sudden these, these thoughts start coming to my head. Like, nobody really cares that you're here. Not, nobody would even care if you're not in the room anymore. Why are you still here? You should just get out of here. And what it does is it kind of puts me in this mental corner so I can disconnect from people, all the people that are around me. Because loneliness is difficult on us mentally, physically, and also spiritually. Loneliness is very hard. Now, now why do I say that? Why do I take the time to say that? Because in our world, loneliness has become an epidemic of the pandemic. Loneliness has become an epidemic of the pandemic, and we need to find a way out of that loneliness and back into, into community. 
And to do that, what we need to start to do is to create positive pockets of neural nostalgia in our brains and in our hearts and in our souls. In other words, ways of instinctively bringing us back to what God says is true and good to combat those feelings of loneliness that are in our life. And this is why God has given us his word. And also the Psalms, which are just so amazing. Because as we read God's word, you guys, as we read God's word and the Psalms and the songs that are in there, what we're doing is we're creating neurological nostalgia, neurological memories that we can come back to when we're in a hard time or when we're in the middle of some loneliness. It helps us to understand a little bit more about what Paul would tell us in Philippians chapter four. He would say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. <laughs> what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, when you're, when you're facing something, whatever the thing that is in front of you, that difficult circumstance, that hardship, that bout of loneliness, whatever it is, here's what I want you to do. Whatever's in front of you, I want you to have things that you can think of instinctively so that you don't get sucked into Satan's trap anymore. He says, I want you to instinctively think about the beautiful things, the lovely things, the noble things, the right things, the pure things, the admirable things, the praiseworthy things instinctively. And when we do that, we start singing different songs. And also you should know that that shouldn't replace, it doesn't necessarily replace the memory that came up that when you were thinking about Top Gun. No, what, what it's going to do is it's going to give you something different, a new song to remind you of what God's truth is in your life. Which is why I love Psalm 121 so much. I love Psalm 121. Now, Psalm 121 is called a song of ascent. Pastor Chad did a great job week one kind of unpacking that. There's 15 songs of ascent. Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are songs of ascent. They say that these psalms were actually written in the 70-year period of exile by the people of God in Babylon, in the Babylonian time, in 586 B.C., and so all of these songs are talking about the oppression of the people and their longing to be free to go back to Jerusalem. And so as people would come to Jerusalem, they would ascend this hill to go to Jerusalem and they would sing these old songs as they ascended to be closer to God in the temple in the city of Jerusalem. So as we, see, as we sing this, this psalm, as we talk about this psalm today, I want you to imagine yourself ascending up to Jerusalem, ascending and singing these songs to God as you try to become closer and closer to him. And as you do that, you're gonna notice that there's four things that God wants to remind you of today in your life, in the middle of your loneliness, wherever you might be at, four things God wants to tell you. Let's take a look at them today. Psalm 121 verse one says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So the first thing that we see in these first two verses is that it says this, that God will help you. God will help you. The psalmist says, hey, look to the mountains and ask what? Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? I think that if we were to look deeply into our world, that is the question that most people are asking. We are asking the question, where do I get help from? Where, where does my help come from? And as we look to get help, as we look for things, we, we know that we need it, and so we look in all kinds of different directions. We'll look at it in, in different relationships, or in addictions, or political figures, or social media followings, or hobbies, or being successful. You name it, we're gonna try to find help. We will, we will grab that lifeline and hope that it will keep us from drowning. 
But what we know is that every time we grab one of those lifelines, what happens is that we find ourselves more empty and more alone when we do that. It's because we're looking at the wrong mountain. We're looking at the wrong mountain. Throughout the Bible, we see that God uses mountains, even meets people on mountains. Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Elijah was encouraged back into ministry on that very same mountain by God. Abraham and Isaac, they were tested on Mount Moriah. Uh, the battle against the prophets of Baal was on Mount Carmel. Uh, Jesus transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John on Mount Tabor. And Jesus ascended back into heaven on the Mount of Olives. So God meets people on mountains. God is always oftentimes associated with mountains. But we also see that the mountains also remind us of God's power, God's strength, and God's protection as well. So when we look to the mountain of the life that's ahead of us, we can't get confused of where our help comes from. We just cannot. We will never find true help in our friends, in relationships, in addictions, in social media, in the culture. We won't find it there. We will only find true, lasting relationships in God and true, lasting hope and help in God. Guys, he's the maker of heaven and earth, for crying out loud, my goodness gracious. And through the love of Jesus Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we have all the help that we'll ever need. So the first thing we see is that God will help you. The second thing we see is in verses three through four, where it says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So the second thing that we see in this verse is that God will steady you. God will help you, but God will also steady you. Now, I try, I try to think of myself as a pretty good athlete. Like I, I, Pastor Chad mentioned just a second ago that I play professional baseball, and like I just have this way of like understanding sports pretty easily, and you know most people can't stand that. But for whatever reason, like I'm a pretty athletic guy, and I can kind of get it. However, there is one sport. There is one thing that is kryptonite to me, and it is paddleboarding. Okay, have you ever tried this thing from Satan called paddleboarding? It is the craziest thing, okay? So my wife is very athletic too, and, and we're very competitive, and, and usually I can pick up things quicker than her, except for this. And so on our 17th wedding anniversary, we drove up to Tahoe to be able to go paddleboarding, which sounds so bougie, but it's just really near where we live anyway. So we're in Tahoe, right? We're in Tahoe, right? We're on Lake Tahoe. But as I'm trying to do this, little did I know that my wife is filming me trying to get on a paddleboard. So just listen to my wife's commentary as you watch me try to do this. Try to stand up again. Yep. Best anniversary <laughs> present ever. <laughs> Watching Brian try to do something for the first time and fail miserably at it. After 17 years, something that I can do better than him. Happy anniversary to me. <laughs> yeah, hope you heard that, Cherie. Yeah, welcome, right? Now listen, I don't know about you, but there are some days when it feels like the world is that paddleboard to me. Right? It just feels like there's moments in our life that just don't feel very steady. That job that you felt was really strong all of a sudden becomes really in flux because of that new boss that came in. Your in-laws decide that they need to start to speak a little bit more in the way you're parenting your kids. Your girlfriend says she's not sure if this is gonna last anymore. You get nervous even sending your kids to school anymore. 
You wonder what your kids or your grandkids, what the world is that they're gonna live in when they're older. You might even wonder how you're gonna keep up with all the price of gas and inflation in food and you start to get really worried about how your budget's gonna look. And when this happens, we start to feel like everything underneath us is just shaking, that it's not still. It makes you feel like you are very small in a big, big, big world. And it's this unsteadiness that causes you to feel really unstable and alone. But I will tell you that what the psalmist just said is that when that starts to happen, we need to just keep our head up. We need to keep our head up and we need to focus on that mountain, he just told us in verse, in verse one and two. We need to remember that God will be our steady, our stabilizing force, and he will be the solid ground that we need him to be in our life. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I think that's really important for us to remember that what Jesus says here is that we should never use anything as our rock in our life except for him, except for God in our life. Again, not social media, not relationships, not addictions, not politics. None of it is going to be that solid rock for you because none of it could do what only God can do. Only God can be that stabilizing force in your life that what we said just here, that our foot will not slip. It's only because of God, no matter how unsettling the world is around us. So he'll help us and he will steady us. But then look what happens next in verse five. We see the third one. It says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Third thing that we see is this, is that God will always be with you. God will always be with you. When we live in a world where things change faster than a goldfish's attention span, right? A goldfish's attention span is nine seconds. The average human being's gold, uh, attention span is eight seconds. That should tell you something. But if anyone in the world, I believe people in Oklahoma know that things change fast, right? Because things will change faster than the head football coach in Oklahoma around here. Mike, you know what I'm saying, right? Too, too soon, we okay, right, yeah, right? Things change really fast. But there will be hard times in this life. There will be. Jesus never denies this is gonna happen. Look what he says. In this world, you, what, will have trouble. He says you're gonna have trouble. But he also says that he won't leave us alone to figure out how to get, get through these hard times. Here's the rest of 1633. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, yeah, trouble's coming. But listen, don't worry. I've already overcome the world, and also I'm gonna give you peace. So give me all that craziness that you're thinking about, and I'm gonna give you peace in return, Jesus says. Jesus even told his disciples right before he was crucified, right before he would defeat death, right before he ascended to heaven, he told them this, he says this. He says, obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what this means is as we draw closer to him, 
as we feel his presence more in our life, as we are reassured by him, we also come to realize that we're never alone when we start to believe that, when we start to understand that fully in our life, because God will always be with you. God will always be with you. So he'll be our help. He will be our steady force. He will always be with us. But look at verses seven through eight where it says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. So the final thing that we see is that God will watch over you. God will watch over you. Now my guess though, is that you hear me read this, that the Lord will keep you from all harm. You are gonna, some of you might start saying, wait, wait, what? Because in your life, you've been hurt by other people. You have scars in your life. You may even have some abuse in your past where it sure seemed like God didn't keep you from harm. You're wondering about that. And, and I would tell you, in the middle of that really hard stuff that is real, it is not fake, it is not made up, it is real. What we need to remind ourselves is we need to be mindful of this, that our life is more than just what happens to us here and now. Our life is more than what happens to our uh, here and now. Life is both limited and eternal. Life is what we do with the 2.5 billion beats of our heart that we have in this lifetime and the infinite amount of beats that we have in the, in the life that is yet to come. And the psalmist is saying that even though things will be hard in this life, in this life, and harm may come you in this earthly body, God is looking beyond all of that to your eternal life, that he will be there for you, and that life is protected by him through his son, Jesus Christ. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So that means that God is watching over us, watching over us eternally, eternally. But yet he is also not, not he also cares about not just eternity, but also what's happening in our day-to-day -day aspects of life. As we read in Psalm 121, the psalmist would call it our coming and our going. That God looks after our coming and our going. That means that the baseball game that you're gonna be playing this week, God cares and is watching. He, he, that means that the promotion that you're putting in for, God cares and he's watching. That hard time that you're going through with your sister right now, God cares and he's watching. God never forgets because he's always for you. He's always for you. Which means that even if God seems like he's silent and you might feel like you're really alone, he is still right there with you all every step of the way. Because we can never forget what Jesus just said. He said that he will be with us until the very end of the age. The very end of the age. And when he said that, he meant that. And he meant that even if I'm not here physically with you, he will always be with us through his spirit. That his spirit is always with us. How? To help us. To steady us. To be with us and to watch over us. Jesus is always with us. He says, I'm right there with you. And my nail-scarred hands, my nail-scarred feet are the proof of that. Because through Jesus' blood, he didn't give us an imaginary friend. He gave us a savior. He gave us a savior, a real-life savior, not an imaginary friend. A savior that loved us enough to die for our sin in our place and to give us 
his grace. And it's by his blood that we've been saved. It's by his blood that he helps us, that he'll steady us, that he'll be with us, that he'll watch over us. It's by Jesus and Jesus alone. And through his promise, he says that he'll always be with us to the very end of the age, which means that we'll never be alone. Something that drove that, drove that home to me in my life was when, um, when I was playing professional baseball. Um, what was interesting about that time is just it's bizarre to think that people would want to line up and get your autograph and that people would want you to come and speak at different events. It just, it just was very mind-melting. But one of, the, one of the most humbling things that I ever got a chance to do was to go to a children's hospital in South Dakota. It was a children's hospital, but it was a unique children's hospital because this hospital was for kids with special needs, um, and it had different floors, uh, so different floors, and depending on the severity of the handicap was a different floor that you were on. And we happened to go on this one floor where the floor that was mainly kids that were, were wheelchair-bound, weren't, weren't able to speak, and could really, uh, had, had a hard time moving. There were some violent fits. You would see them kind of act out um, uncontrollably. And so we were kind of making our rounds, and actually it was just myself that day. I was making my rounds to some of the kids and introducing myself. And it wasn't able to really connect with a lot of them because I said a lot of them were nonverbal. And so all of a sudden, kind of as I'm sitting there kind of interacting with one of the, one of the, the patients, all of a sudden around the corner, this, this girl wheels up next to me and she goes, hi, how are you? About scared me half to death because I've been in a room and no one talking. I'm like, dude, ah, okay, right, right? She goes, I'm like, hi, how are you? And, uh, and she says, hi, my name's, my name's Shanna. I'm like, well, hi, Shanna, how are you? So I got to talk with Shannon a little bit. I said, Shannon, you just have this, 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 this spirit about you. I mean, just awesome to be able to talk with you. But it's interesting because most everybody else here on the floor uh, doesn't speak, but you, you seem to speak. She goes, yeah, it's, it's really hard because they had to move me from another floor because the kids on that floor were violent and they were actually hurting me and abusing me on the other floor. And so they brought me down to this one so I'm a little bit safer. It's like, it's like wow. I said, well, well, tell me a little bit about your story. She's, I said, do your, do your mom and dad, do they come and visit you quite a bit? She goes, oh, well, I, my, my mom died when I was very, very young, and um, my dad abused me when I was younger, and so that's why I'm here, actually, because my dad abused me, and he's in jail now, and I was just, like, blown away. I'm like, and, and, and I was trying to, like, put up some words. I said, man, this, that, that's, that's really hard, Shanna. And before I could even get out those final words, she says, yeah, 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 but, but, but Brian, Brian, but God is good. This little girl that had been abused by her father, lost her mother when she was young, is on a floor where kids beat her, is able to, unable to interact with anybody other than the staff. You would think that she would think she's all alone, that God had forgotten her, that life is terrible, that she should just forget about everything, right? Everything in her mind. But what is the first thing that she thinks of? Oh, but Brian, God is good. The power of God in your life can help you overcome anything this world will try to throw at you. Loneliness, depression, anxiety, fear, worry. Only in God, only in the mountain of God, only by him helping you, steadying you, being with you, always by your side. Only through God is that possible. And that maybe we can just have a life like Shana. A life that looks at all the things that we're going through, everything that we've been up against, all of the hardships that we've gone through, and instead of saying, God, where are you at? We just say, oh, but God is good. Because he's always with you. And he loves you. And the proof of that is on that cross where he gave his one and only son 
for you and for me because he loves us and he'll always be with us to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for Psalm 121 and the entire, entire scripture, God, because in that scripture, it reminds us of how much you love us, that through you is found hope and peace and an eternity with you. Father, I pray that we might have the, a spirit like Shana that looks at our life and instead of turning our back on you, we look into your eyes and we say, but oh God, you are so good and that we are never alone when we're in your presence. Father, would you reassure some people here today that are really lonely and are going through some hard times? Would you be with those that are online right now that might feel disconnected and away from community? Would you be with us as we're wrestling with job things and kids things and marriage things, Father, and we have this tendency to wanna back away, but God, would you help us to lean in and trust you more and to know that you're good, that you will help us, you will steady us, you will be with us, and that you're for us. And Jesus, I just wanna thank you for saving us from the loneliness of our sin so we can be with you in eternal glory forever. And because of you, we're never alone. We love you, we thank you. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray, amen.